Welcome back to episode three of Memories by Marie. The short story about the Mission Shane children who went out with their big dog, Max, to collect firewood to help with the wash. They went missing and were never found. And Max died out on the old wharf. Welcome back to episode three when Busterfly comes home to bury his dad. Fox Creek has a lot of memories for, for Buster. And like Buster, I think, we're all shaped by the memories of our childhood in one way or another. So let's get to it. Welcome back to episode three. Driving into Fox Creek in my beat-up old car made me feel as if coming here had been planned by divine providence. All of the Fox Creek cars were beat up and more than a few years old. Not much had changed here during the last 40 years. One of those towns that just stand still in time. The general store had been overhauled a few years ago by the new owners, but old-timers still sat out on the bench, except now they didn't seem so old, more closer to my own age than I cared to admit. I would be 56 on my next birthday, and thank goodness that was still six months away, getting closer to 60. If I come back here in 10 years, It'll be me sitting on the bench. The general store was still the main focal point in town. But a couple of new shops were here too. A new coffee place and the health food store. The new age hippies had moved into Fox Creek. But all in all, Fox Creek just seemed the way I'd remembered it. I had left over 25 years ago. But when my mom had been alive, I'd still visited a couple of times a year. Life was still simple here. It did not move at the fast pace found, even 50 miles from here in the city. I guess the people wanted it that way, but it was a little boring for my taste. As I drove past the store, the old fellows waved at me, and I rolled down my window. Now, this couldn't be, but it seemed it was old Mr. Ford. He looked like he was around, maybe in his 90s, sitting there on the bench with a couple of other guys. I knew them, but I couldn't remember their names. Hello, Mr. Ford. Do you remember me? It's Buster. Buster Flag. I yelled out my window. Buster, is that you? I haven't seen you in these parts, and gosh, ah, since I don't know when. What brings you here, Buster? Is it that stubborn mule you call a paw? He tried to stand and come to the car, but his old legs were weak. Uh, my paw died last night up in the Cedar Creek Hospital, Mr. Ford. So I guess I'll be here till the arrangements are made. 
and we can get the house cleaned up, put it up for sale. I noticed then that old Mr. Ford had fallen asleep, and he missed most of what I said. But the others stood and came over and told me how sorry they were to hear about my pa. Mr. Ford woke up, came over. Are you on your way to Cedar Creek now, Buster, he said. You probably don't remember me, but I I knew your pa well. My name's uh, Bill, Bill Benderson. I live out on the turnpike with my wife, Val. We sat many days here on the bench with your old pa. He's going to be missed, Buster, missed. Anyone can help you with the details, he asked. No, no, it's just me. Well, I got to get going. Nice seeing you, Bill. You too, Mr. Ford. Sure is a shame about the two of them, I heard as I drove away. Bad blood between him and his pa. Driving through the old highway into Cedar Creek, I realized it had not even given my pa a chance in the last four years, and now he was gone, and I could never make it up to him or to myself. I pulled into the hospital parking lot and looked for the meters to put the money in, but there were none. Progress had not opened up her pocketbook here yet. I had only been here once as a child to get some stitches in my foot from a sharp piece of glass someone had thrown in the lake. I'd cut it up pretty good, and it took 17 stitches to close it. I'd been lucky, they said, a little more, and I could have bled to death. But it took me out of that swimming hole the whole summer, and I sure hated that. It was pure torture watching all the others having a good time. Well, I stayed home, ate my mom's cookies, and complained about being bored stiff. As soon as my foot healed a little bit, she put me to work in the yard weeding her garden. I learned to tend weeds that year and ate the fruit of our labors. Sometimes more strawberries made it into my mouth than into the basket. Walking to the reception desk, I told the lady sitting behind the desk my name and who my father was. The doctor came down and talked to me a while, asked me to wait while he got all the necessary papers to be signed. I did, and it was all over in 20 minutes. Can I see my father, I asked. Oh, yes, yes, of course, just a minute, he said. Got on the phone and talked to someone and then asked me to follow him. Down two flights of stairs, we came to the double doors of the morgue and I felt almost numb. He took me inside and there were no no formalities. He was covered and the doc pulled back the sheet and my paw was right before my eyes again. He had changed a lot in the last four years, and I didn't even know it. He was thin and old-looking. It had been stupid to wait, a big mistake, but I couldn't do anything to change it. He was gone, and I couldn't tell him I loved him. I prayed for his eyes to open and to tell me all of this was a joke. He didn't, and I broke down and the doc left me alone with him, and I cried from a broken heart for over half an hour.
When I left the hospital, headed to the funeral home to make the decisions I had never thought I would have to make in regards to my pla, pla, pa, I didn't even know if he had a plot of land. Well, maybe, maybe that one up by my mom, up in the River Valley Cemetery. There was no one to ask. I felt helpless, and I remembered some of the fights my wife and I used to have over this very point. And it was causing me to take a good look at myself. I was too helpless. I'd have to learn to take control. But who could teach me? Walking up the painted white steps of the Hortons family funeral home brought to mind the times I'd been here with my own family for funerals and aunts of uncles and cousin of mine once who was killed in a hunting accident at 14. That was one of the hardest because a lot of crying went on and it was noisy. I wasn't more than eight years old then. A lot of people attended that funeral and said a lot of nice things for and about my cousin. But his mom, my mom's sister, just sobbed the whole time. His pa was stone cold silent. I remember thinking that it would kill my own mom to lose me that way. I really felt bad for my Auntie Winnie and I tried extra hard to be good when when she visited after that. She'd look at me funny sometimes and run from the room and my own mom would pack us up and we'd go on home and my mom would cry all the way home for her sister. It was a confusing time and being here sure brought all that back. Funeral stuff was hard. After I got it all squared away, I picked a coffin and found out Pa already had a plot of land and that the Legion would cover the expenses, him being a veteran and all. I left there as soon as I could. It was time to head home, something I didn't really want to do. It was near six in the evening and I realized I had not yet eaten since last night. A little bit of popcorn before bed and my stomach growled loudly. I needed some food. I thought I would stop at the general store back up in Fox Creek if they were still open. Or maybe that weird hippie coffee shop. The drive back seemed long and memories clouded my mind of when I was little and Pa used to take me fishing. He was a good fisherman and he was patient with my little fingers and the baiting and my incredible fear of the worm. He never yelled at me or called me a sissy boy. Nope. He just took the worm and put it on and handed it back. When I was five, he was my hero. I wondered when he became my enemy. I approached our old farmhouse from the back of it. The wraparound veranda reminded me of the times we sat sitting on the swing on hot summer nights first with my folks and then with my girlfriends as I grew up. Only one girl stands out as the one that got away. It was Frina from the other side of the lake. We were 16 and we were lost in love with each other and the only world that existed was her and I and the porch swing. My mom would bring us out cold ice sugar tea and we sat and would sway in the winds of summer, madly in love. 
I saw her ghost on the swing as I approached it. It faded as I got closer and closer to the house. Taking the key from under the mat, I put the key in the lock only to realize it wasn't locked. Just like my pot, I'll leave it open. I walked inside and it was definitely a bachelor's pad now. My pa had never washed a dish in his life. When I was at home, my mom did it all. All the cooking, the cleaning. The only thing pa ever did was bring home the money, put it in my mom's hand and expect the bills to be paid. And that's what she did. She took care of it all. And we had a simple life, but it was a good one. The dishes in the sink looked as if they had been there for a week. I counted the plates. Yep, seven of them. Seven cups, seven forks, two pots. I heard a knock at the front door and went to it. And as I got closer, it opened. Hello, anyone home? It's me, Martha. She called out only to jump back as she saw me, pulling out a fishtail comb, pointing it at me. I know how to defend myself if you come any closer. What do you want? This poor old man doesn't have much. Now go on and get out of here, you bad boy. I just stood looking at her, so she continued to approach me with the comb. Now you get out of here and don't you come back. I smiled at her. Crazy old lady. My pa had a girlfriend. Martha, my name is Buster Flagg. And I am Ronald Flagg's only son. And I am mighty pleased to meet you, ma'am. I extended my hand towards her and she put the comb down and looked at me warily. And how do I know that this is true, Mr. Buster, or whatever your name is? How do I know what you're doing here? Martha, my pa died last night in the Cedar Creek Hospital. She fell into the chair beside me. What? Her face fell. No, can't be. I was just here last Saturday with him. I tidied the house for him and I did some cooking and I mended a couple of his socks and we sat out on the porch and it can't be. What the hell? What has happened? Did you have something to do with this? She grabbed her comb again. No, Martha, I didn't. He fell last night and it hit his head and it killed him. It's all been so sudden, I don't even know who his friends are to call and to let them know. I, I, I just don't know what to do. Shh, Martha said. Let me fix you something to eat, and I will talk to you about some stuff, mister, some stuff you don't know about your pa, and then we'll do the calling together. She patted my hand, put her comb in her purse, and got up and made me some dinner. And it felt good to eat. And I ate like a starving man. Together with Martha, we made some important calls. Now, Buster, you won't have to do any more. The word will spread on its own and we'll make the house ready for company. She busied herself the rest of the night, making sure the house was clean and sparkly. And she left around nine. I walked her to her car and gave her a hug and she kissed my cheek. Buster? He was a good man, just remember that. With that, she got into her car, and I forgot to ask her if she was my pa's girlfriend, but I think that might have offended her if I had asked.
Upstairs in my old room, still exactly as I'd left it, I sat on the bed and bounced. Just one difference, no one to tuck me in anymore. Still, it felt kind of good to be home. I hadn't realized how darn much I'd missed the comfort of home till I got here and sat on the bed of my youth. I laid down, closed my eyes, I didn't wake up till the next day.